You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. You're listening to Stage Door Podcast, the podcast celebrating theatre and creativity from onstage mishaps to career-defining moments. Hosted by thespians myself, Tori, and co-host Eliza, fortnightly we will bring you industry professional guests, deep dives, and more. Hello everyone and welcome back to Stage Door Podcast. Before we get started, I would like to acknowledge that I am on Turable land. And I'm on Gadigal land, the traditional custodians of the land on which we work, live and record. And we recognise that sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Today, we welcome Lucy Burke and LJ Wilson to the podcast to chat all things Saturday Girls, a new work written by Miranda Michalowski, which opens as part of Belvoir's 25A season on Friday the 11th of August. Saturday Girls is a tender and hilarious story about queer girlhood, high school sexual politics, and growing up in a world that's determined to box you in. Please welcome to the mic, Lucy and LJ. Woo! Hello! Pleasure to be here! (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on today. We are so excited to chat to you guys about this new work written by Miranda. I guess jumping straight into it obviously so LJ you are the director and Lucy you are one of the fabulous actors in this show and you play the role of Joey what was the inspiration behind Saturday Girls? I think what what inspires me and and the backbone of this story the most is having a centralized sapphic story and the elements of its its queer coming of age. And obviously the consent storyline is a, is a, another central storyline to Joey. But those are kind of the main things that have inspired me throughout this process. But I guess the lack of representation of those kinds of stories and how important it is that we have them, especially on Australian stages. You know, the film and TV world is really different. The theatre world, I feel like we still have a lot of catching up to do. And that's what is so exciting about about this play and why it's so you know close to home for a lot of us involved for sure I mean even reading reading the play I went oh my gosh this is something I really would love to see and I think so many people can relate to so many of the stories of these people so what kind of drew you to work on this piece with Miranda like how did that kind of come to be Mm. Well, we officially met for the first time doing an ATYP writing course together and we were in the same group and I read her um, short play at the time and I was like, wow, this is banging. Like, I was like, this person is really talented. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then post that experience, Miranda reached out and I helped uh, with the development on a Cakes Tea last year for Saturday Girls and then from there, it's kind of like jump on board. Let's let's apply this play to 2023 seasons. And yeah, we were super lucky to collaborate with 25A. And it's just been a been a roller coaster from there on out. But Miranda is yeah a really wonderful writer and is so intelligent and I think tells tells these these stories with such nuance and depth and realness like it's they're just so beautiful and actualized already on the page and now seeing what the actors have done with them it's so wonderful like they've truly gone to places that you know at the beginning we didn't expect and I think that is what is awesome I truly can't wait for people to see it because they're all just so lovable I just love them so much <laughs> it's definitely going to be a thing. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to get to see this. Already so far this year I've seen some phenomenal 
queer work and it just like keeps coming and I'm just like let's give me more and make my little <laughs> queer heart so happy what about for you Lucy what what drew you to audition for Saturday Girls I think obviously I saw the call out and you know I was like queer story teenage girls absolutely <laughs> let's do this so keen yes. um and when I read the audition scripts I was just so struck by how badly I wanted to do this. <laughs> like, I, I was going into the auditions because we had a couple of them going like, okay, I can't want this too hard because I'm going to jinx it so bad. But I just, I wanted to do it so badly because the script and the characters are just so, they feel extremely real um, and, you know, as a queer femme person who went to an all-girls school and well not that this is an all-girls school but you know and it's very it's exciting to see yourself or an aspect of yourself um reflected and yeah the team was just so lovely and I just desperately wanted to be a part of it and I got extremely lucky and here we are (laughs) yeah absolutely it's so exciting and I think we obviously need so much more queer theater like there's just not enough of it but it's so exciting when you get to see a brief for a work that you're like oh my god like this actually I relate to this on such a deeper level than anything I have been able to before you know like we can all represent like relate to you know heartbreak and falling in love and things like that but when you get to see like yourself fully represented in the emotions and feelings that you have felt yourself it's so different and then getting to audition for something like that even if you don't get to necessarily book the job even if you desperately want to getting to read the material is just something else it's so so exciting and with obviously what did the process look like for you both I guess working with these characters what was the process like I guess building the characters based off of obviously what Miranda's already written and then what influence did you have during the process? Uh, I think it was finding a way to be able to bring all of that out and bring all of that to the stage. And I think there, you know, like Miranda has written such a rich and complex and interesting character. For me, it was separate myself (laughs) from this character and be like, actually, this is not me. This is, this is another human. Like, as I was saying, I really, I felt very sort of seen by this script. And I guess also for the, for the team of us, like we have a really lovely cast of four, beautiful Mim, Candace and Brandon. And so it's just been forming relationships between, between us, between the characters and, just staying alive and listening to each other and I think yeah so much of this play is about relationships and about how teenagers relate to each other and I think it's just all about staying alive and listening to each other basically yeah. And how about for you LJ in terms of directing a piece and you know kind of collaborating with a writer and obviously there's going to be things that you'll bring to it that are completely different as a director and your vision for the piece. Yeah I think one of the most exciting things about even like auditioning is that we have ideas of how we you know might envision a character and then you get a certain actor walks in the room and suddenly 
shows you a totally different version and you're like, that's it, that's the character. And I think that that happened a lot throughout this process. And, you know, we did some fun improvs and, like, we, we did a lot of really silly, playful explorations of these characters and just asked a lot of questions. And I think that's the thing that you do throughout the entire process and forever until it ends is you're just asking questions and always bringing curiosity to the process because there's always more to find out every every day we're always finding more even with pre-existing work there's always new things to find but i think that's one of the such a draw to directing new work to performing a new work to writing new work is because there is so much more opportunity for collaboration, for finding new meaning. And even then when you get an audience in, you know, discovering, oh, that lands differently to how we played it in rehearsal or in the creation of the work. It's it's so exciting. I'm so excited to see this. I also <laughs> did the ATYP course with Miranda. Brilliant. She's got such, such a, such a brilliant brain i'll just be in awe of you the entire time it's fine i was just going to say something else that sparked in my mind and thinking about new work and that i think is so important um and a friend told me on a different show but that when you approach a new text a new work you should approach it like a classic yeah uh and that you're not trying to shift it you're not trying to change it uh and then you know we want to approach classics like new works uh and i think miranda has very wonderfully given us this text that you know does have the the weight and the the feel of like yeah this is this is classic this is um and that that's another thing about this work too is um Mm -hmm. you know realizing like we don't have a lot of a canon especially in you know in in theater like as queer people even especially going as far for you know trans characters and um, non-binary characters it's like where is the canon there isn't one and so it's exciting to think about this play about really um, making its mark and and taking up some space to you know add to the ever-growing queer canon of Australian work it's super exciting in terms of this play, how does the importance of social media play a part in this show? It really, it really does. And I think that that is, I don't know, like a huge difference between, I don't know, when I was a teenager um, to teenagers today. Like we had Facebook, we had maybe Bebo, but like <laughs> it was not anywhere to the degree that the teenagers today are having to deal with social media and that is just a a like I don't know growing up being a teenager having hormones running around is hard enough Um, and social media just adds a whole other layer to it Um, and that's not what this play is like strictly about but definitely you know, it has a, a role to play in it. And my character has nudes leaked without her consent, which is a traumatic thing to happen to anyone. But I think when you are essentially still a child and really not, um, it's uh, the position of a, a, you know, teenage teenager, especially like teenage girls, teenage femme people, is so interesting because you you look like a woman 
before you are one, where you have the still have the brain of a child. And so having kind of images proliferated uh, on the internet, it's just got to be, you know, the mind fuck of the century. Yeah. It's wild that teenagers now, like you said, literally just trying to get through puberty and high school and then are also competing with TikTok and yeah. Instagram and all of that and the opportunity for things like this to be leaked online. Obviously, it's something that has always been able to happen, but it's so much more prevalent now. And I never thought about the fact that, yeah, young young femme-presenting people are, look, you know, have the body of a woman from the time that they hit puberty, even though that they are, they are not an adult yet. They, that's kind of really awful. But an important story to have out there because there are many people that will have gone through similar things and be coming and watching and being like, hey, actually that's perspective. And sometimes you don't get to think about what that played, like what role that played in growing up. And um, it's a beautiful thing to be able to like kind of see that and be like, wow, they are really just children dealing with big adult life things. And it's, it's very cool. <laughs> it's very good. So I guess we're going to move on to a bit of a game, which is called Swipe Left or Swipe Right. Swipe Left or Right. It is high school edition or school edition. And these are a few things that you can either swipe left or swipe right. So it's either a major yes or a no, or you can super like and be like, yes, that was my thing in high school. So I'll take it away with the first one. We have scrunchies. I'm a swipe right. Okay, yeah. great. I'm a swipe right. Yep. I had to think yep. for a moment what was yes and no, but yeah, swipe right. <laughs> Covering slash laminating oh. your school books at the start of the year. Super like. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, some conflicting opinions. I feel like I understand where you're coming from, Lucy. I feel like I get both sides because they were always, it was always so fun to pick what was going to be like on the front of your books, but then actually doing it. I couldn't, I could never do it. I was never, I was so bad at it. There were always bubbles and I was like picking them for the whole year. It was terrible. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about the bubbles. Yeah. I just have, like, lots of rainbows, like, beautiful, like, I loved, like, picking them all out. <laughs> this is a this is a big one, I feel like. We've got Smiggle. Swipe right. Yeah, look, back in the day, that was a swipe right, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually didn't grow up with Smiggle, so, uh, yeah. So you're a present day swipe right. Slay. <laughs> it's all this smelly stuff, I love it. <laughs> I feel like it was a bit of a status symbol, like, in high school to have mm-hmm. that pencil case. I was always so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, God, I've got the cool pencil case. Damn. I was like, I'm just here with my billabong really long. Oh, yes. They were always so long. All the ones they give you in school with all the lettering in them. And then you, like, write your oh, name they, in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, the next one, and this is such a throwback for me and makes me feel really old. Um, Scoobies. Whoa. Whoa. For a time, it was a swipe left. Yeah. Um, but I think I pretended to know how to do them. We actually had a kid 
who started selling them, like making them and selling them and making a profit. And the teacher had to be like, yo, dude, you can't do this. That is so smart. (laughs) It was was genius. I think I had one that someone else had made and I was like, yeah, I made it. Yeah, but I totally had no idea. My sister was wildly good at making them and I was just absolutely shocking so i wanted it to be a swipe right but like i sucked so hard at making scoobies <laughs> and the lucky last one is handball Ooh, left. super like okay Ooh. oh i love how we've got such contradictions today. it's Divisive. great <laughs> i was just aggressively oh non-sporty i couldn't not because I didn't want to, just because I was bad, <laughs> bad at it. <laughs> I was like, no one wanted to play handball with me. I was not sporty enough for that. <laughs> no, that sounded really sad, but it really wasn't. I just, like, <laughs> I was like, just wow. little Eliza sitting in the corner, just hitting the ball against a wall by herself. I didn't quite get it. I didn't get the hype around it, and I was just not good at it. Every time I tried, I was like, mm, this is not for me. I don't think I knew what was happening. I think I was just hitting the it. ball and hoping for the best. But super oh, like I loved it. LJ. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. It was so fun. It was it was great. Even, you know, a few years ago, um, I still played it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. Not not with, yeah, anyway, yeah. We, we don't need it. I'll leave it it's there. Just, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's such an Aussie thing. I don't, I don't know if they play handball anywhere else. Feel free someone to correct I me, know. but we have like, schools have like handball courts. Yeah. Mm. It's a hard In court thing. There are some strict rules. Like I remember oh, being, yeah. you know, held like to some, and I feel like sometimes you'd make them up and they'd be like, oh, that's the, that's the Polly Pocket rule. And you'd be like, what? <laughs> What is I don't know this rule. <laughs> the secret rule. But they'd be like, you gotta do it. And you'd be like, okay. <laughs> no, that's great. I love that so much. <laughs> well, jumping back into it, how do you think going to a private school, a private high school, shapes the queer adolescent experience? I don't. I have to say I don't fully know because I personally I didn't go to a private school and that was also another thing about that I had to sort of I guess learn about and ask about um, because also my character has like quite a religious family and background and that has it's another kind of thing on top and that is something we have like I think spoken about in the rehearsal room quite a bit um what is the environment of the school and how does that impact on the characters and their decisions and Miranda like brought a few you know insights into the room some of which like kind of made it into the script like there's a story about um a uh, a, a gay um student of a I think a Sydney private school who was running for school captain and was uh I forced or encouraged um to pull out of the race I think um uh and sort of I guess while things are definitely I don't know changing for the better I think for young people I think there's definitely I think it would be crazy to suggest that there's not um still homophobia queerphobia, transphobia in these institutions. Oh, absolutely. It's 
there's definitely, I think, you know, very slowly at like a molasses pace improvement. But I think especially in private schools, it is still incredibly lacking. And even if they say that they're inclusive, they're generally only inclusive to an extent. Which is just like they should be able to focus on getting an education and learning about themselves and the world, not about how a school or its students are going to hold prejudice against them. 100%. Especially, um, I think it would really depend as well, like like you said, on a religious school, an all-girls school, an all-boys school, a public school. Uh, you know, there's so many, there's a breadth of different schooling in Australia that all have a different impact and... Um, especially there can be a huge religious impact on students having to, you know, question that as well. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bigger conversation, obviously, <laughs> but I guess, do you guys have a favorite moment in the show? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the opening sequence. It's, it's a dream, like music video. If when you're a teen, you wish you were a pop star routine, dance routine. Uh, and it's so incredible. The actors are killer. Every time I watch it, I'm like brooming ear to ear. I'm like a, I'm like a little <laughs> dance parent being like, woo, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> yeah. amazing, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Lucy, do you have a favourite moment that you can share? Yeah, my favourite, my real favourite moment, I is a secret um I don't know there's definitely just it's not really a moment but just like there are just some uh, quite a few lines that I just I can just hear my teenage self or my teenage friends saying and it's very and those moments are very like spooky like I, I actually I feel like this isn't a spoiler um there's um a moment in which uh Mim Kwa's character of Sam uh, is like making a very uh, impassioned argument about the fact that they don't teach uh, sex ed to the queer students um, at their school. And it's just like, absolutely, like, <laughs> like, absolutely, that's a very, you know, important issue, but it's that thing where you're not out yet as like a kind of like socially conscious oh. ally. <laughs> And you, I don't know, I don't know if you guys relate, but like there were definitely moments as a young person where I was like, and like, what are the gay people meant to like think about this? Like they must find that really hard. Like just from a fully objective standpoint, like I have no actual stakes in this, but just like as an ally, like I I think that's really important. So that whole scene is like... I just love to watch it. I think it's <laughs> and, yeah, and she performs that's it beautifully. So, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> that's definitely. I'm now having many a flashback. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it m- makes m- my soul cringe. Oh, oh little closeted queen. <laughs> I'm just like. I'm an ally. I'm. I'm not. I'm not anything though. I'm just. I'm just here. I think it's, I'm just here to watch I'm, and learn. I just love social justice. It's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with me yeah. though. Never. N- not me. Uh. Anyway. 
Oh, amazing. Um, we're so obviously Eliza will not be able to see it unless you decide to do a season in Brisbane. Yeah. Uh, you know, or Melbourne, you know. Come. You know, you never know. So <laughs> free to um, yeah. <laughs> But we're coming into the final question for the interview of the day, or the semi-final question, if you will. What do you hope audiences will take away with them after the show? And you can both answer this question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm consolidating my brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, and kind of something that Lucy already spoke on, simply is that I hope people see parts of themselves. Uh, and then for those that don't necessarily relate to the story I think there's beauty in also watching something and have it not be representative of you in that you can really still learn and understand yourself and question things about yourself through yeah either a relatable experience or a not relatable experience um yeah I I just hope it warms some hearts because it definitely warms mine so much (laughs) yeah i um completely agree with everything uh that lj said and um i also really hope that uh some queer teens come and see this show because i think when i was a teenager i would have absolutely loved to see something that you know spoke to my (coughs) experience and um, and point of life. Uh, and I, I think, I hope, um, that we can provide that, um, to some queer young people out there. Absolutely. It's, you know, I think that's one of the things that is, obviously we want more queer and more diverse stories in general, because that's just what needs to be portrayed on stage. But then also giving younger audiences something to relate to and something that can help them feel seen because I know growing up there wasn't much of that for us or it was all very stereotypical queer men generally um, or just all, you know, loaded with stereotypes Um so actually having the opportunity for young people to be able to see themselves represented in one way or another, or to, even if they don't feel represented themselves, learning to understand their friends and the people around them mm-hmm. is, you know, such an important part of having queer stories. And I think especially queer stories told in schools, like in a school setting, because that's, you know, it's such a formative part of your life where not everybody realizes their identity at that point of life, but so many young people do and don't know how to cope with that or, or what to do with that information. And I think that that can make them feel very isolated and being able to, I think, see portrayed in a theatrical sense that they're not alone in not knowing what's happening or what to do with this information is so, so important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I guess before we leave today, we're going to do a little bit of a bedtime story. Um, And so this is a stage mishap or something that's gone wrong. Do you both have a bedtime story for us? Yes. (laughs) 
Absolutely. Um, <laughs> let me paint the picture for you. Um, I would have been, I think, like 15 or 16, and I was playing the baker's wife in Into the Woods Junior at my community theatre, and I was chasing Milky White the puppet, and I, I, I think I was supposed to, like, run down the stairs of, uh, you know, of the edges of the theatre up into the audience, oh, yeah. and I didn't. Um, and I just ran off the stage um, <laughs> and, like, fell into the audience and, you know, got up, recovered and continued. And, I, you know, I think it only added to the humour of, of um, the moment, I'd like to say. But, yes, it was, it was, it was the night my parents came as well. So, oh. um, yeah, great, great content for Dad. Great content. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's always the day all, the parents come. Right. Why? right. <laughs> all I all I can imagine is one of those cartoon moments where you know the cartoon character goes over the edge of the cliff and they're still running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just <laughs> elevated them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Lucy? Do you have a bedtime story for us? Oh yeah, I mean, I feel like I've fallen over a bunch of times on stage. The worst I can remember is. Um, a few years ago, I was in this show called uh, Nosferatu, which was like a retelling of a vampire story. Uh, and the yeah. last scene, there was just um, blood, fake blood all over the stage. Oh, no. And um, the last scene involved me and um, Annie Stafford uh, carrying a bed onto this blood-soaked stage and at the time I didn't weirdly didn't have like any practical shoes so (laughs) I was just wearing these like little heeled boots and like trying to carry this bed and I multiple times throughout the run fell on the fake blood and one time I fell on it so badly that I like hit the frame of this metal bed (gasps) like directly into my shin and I think I just like took a knee and like <laughs> just took a few breaths and like picked it up and moved it because it was like yeah. part of the scene that we had to be moving it we were like yeah. stage hands but anyway after that I just got some practical oh. shoes but it was bad yeah. and that's out no. I had like a wow. huge bruise I think that's the the second story we've had so far that's to do with fake blood yeah. being just a menace. In that, it's so slippery. Yeah, it's so yeah. slippery. <laughs> and like the the type that we had to have in this show, a few of us had to like because it was a vampire show. A few of us had to like drink the blood, eat the blood, whatever. I had oh, to bite no. the head off a bat. Um, whatever. So like it had to be edible. So it was really sweet oh. and sticky. Oh, <laughs> no. oh my mm. gosh. No, no, thank you. And then just show. falling into that. <laughs> yeah. Even better. Well, thank you so much. Those were some excellent bedtime stories. Really? And we're now at the portion of the show where you are going to plug your show. <laughs> Tell us, where can we get tickets? When is it on? Social media links. Give us all the information. Uh, yes. So it's obviously you can go onto the Belvoir um, Theatre website, um, but also you can follow at 
um, Saturday Girls Play or at Tale of Tales Productions slash at Sour Cherry Productions. It's a co-pro. Um, it's on from the 9th to the 27th of August. Preview tickets are $20. Rested seasons, 25 Such a good price. Um, super accessible, which is really exciting for us. So we hope that many people come and see it. Fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much to you both for coming on and having a chat to us today. We are so excited to see this new show. We love seeing new queer theatre and representation on stages in Sydney. Um, but thank you so, so much again to both of you for coming on. And to those listening, please do make sure if you are in Sydney, go and see Saturday Girls at Belvoir is in the downstairs theatre. That's where all the 25A shows are going to be. Um, obviously, also check out the rest of the 25A season because there are some fantastic shows happening this year. Um, but anyway, you guys, thank you so much for being here. And until next time, stay happy, healthy and safe. And we will see you then. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.